We're going to be talking with two Spartan alumni about the work they do to empower black students in Michigan through mentoring and leadership development. Ongoing mentoring relationships have a powerful impact on young people. Research shows that students who have mentors in their lives are 55% more likely to enroll in college and 130% more likely to hold leadership positions in the future. Our first guest, Rhonda Walker, is a 1991 graduate of the College of Communication, Arts, and Sciences, and our Detroit area viewers may know her as the co-anchor of the weekday morning newscast at WDIV Local 4 News, Detroit's NBC affiliate. Off-camera, Rhonda is the founder of the Rhonda Walker Foundation, an organization that works to empower inner-city teen girls towards becoming strong and successful future leaders. The foundation's mentoring program boasts a 100% high school graduation and college enrollment rate, and it's great to have Rhonda here to talk about it. Rhonda, good to talk with you again. Well, it's good to see you, Russ. Thanks for having me. So tell us, what is the Rhonda Walker Foundation? What inspired you to start it? What inspired me to start it, actually, we've been around for 17 years. And 17 years ago, I was in my career as a journalist for about four years and really got a lot of exposure to the Detroit community, to youth in the community, and to a lot of the needs that I saw in the community. And so I started going and speaking at schools, just talking to young people, um, particularly teen girls, about setting goals and believing in yourself and loving the person in the mirror and trying to help uh, you know, create tools of how to build confidence and being a leader and not a follower and just some positive messaging. But it would be kind of like a one hour talk at a school with middle schoolers and then I would go to the next school. Um, and I started realizing that you really can't change much in one conversation with children. You have to have a sustainable conversation, sustainable, empowering messaging and an exposure and resources and mentoring, you know, to really be able to see other professional women, particularly for these teen girls that they can aspire to become. And so that kind of set my journey all the way back in like 2002, 2003 um, to found this organization. And I did it with the support of my father, who is a longtime educator. He was actually a middle school teacher in Detroit many years ago before I was even born. And when I was growing up, he was the director of adult education for the state of Michigan. So I grew up there in Lansing and um, he was so involved with education, the importance of it, and so involved with mentoring that when I talked to him about how I wanted to be able to make a difference with these kids and what do I do, I was thinking about establishing a mentoring-based program or maybe a scholarship program to help raise money for kids to go to college. And my dad just said, hands down, you have to build it around mentoring. And that set my journey. And we founded the organization with a team of a board of directors, uh, some of which had been with me all 17 years. And Rhonda, what are some of the particular challenges the girls face that you work with? Well, these are inner city teens. Um, so they come from a variety of backgrounds. Um, I was fortunate to grow up in a two parent college educated household. 
Um, and there are some advantages to that. Some kids aren't growing up with that environment. They might be growing up in a single parent household. They might be growing up with a lot of socio and economic disadvantages that can really set them behind when they're trying to compete against their suburban counterparts. And so the Rhonda Walker Foundation is about bridging that gap, helping with tutoring, SAT and ACT test prep courses, and providing that mentoring relationship with these kids along with our career and personal development to try to provide those things that they may not be getting in their own households. Rhonda, why is the mentoring so important? What kind of role does it play? One, it's someone who's outside of your family. It's a it's a new voice that's able to kind of provide you this guidance from a different perspective. And it's also attention. You know, when you're mentoring a teen girl, you're showing that she's important, that her interests and her concerns and all of these things are important to you and that you're taking your personal time just to give that child attention means a lot. I mean, I've had... I would say sometimes even like five minute conversations with some of the girls in the foundation that are going through something. It might be a family issue. It might be a fight with their brother or, you know, challenges they're having because they didn't do well in a test or they didn't make the cheerleading team. And we might talk for just a little while, just that little boost of, you know, encouragement and you can do it and try again and help problem solve. And suddenly after a few minutes, they feel better. <laughs> um, kids can be very resilient um, and it can be much deeper than that. But it's, it's the personal attention, um, and it's also just the positive messaging, messages and guidance and just that support for the parents, you know? Like, there's sometimes outside of your family, someone has the resources, the experiences, or just the similar interests that can meet that child where they are and really help them to dream bigger, aspire bigger, help build confidence, and know that they have that, you know, special person that's rooting for them. And did mentoring play a role in your life and, and how so? I don't remember having like a specific mentor, but I really had a strong family base. I had very involved parents. And I feel like my parents were really good mentors for me. I also grew up with a big brother who was perfect. He excelled in like three different sports. He got all A's, all the teachers loved him and he was two years older than me. So growing up, you know, following in his footsteps, I think was kind of that sort of peer or sister brother mentoring for me. But what I did observe growing up was my father mentoring other kids. Um, there, We were always had different kids that were in our household that my dad would mentor that might be from, you know, challenging backgrounds or not have father figures. And I got to see um, the impact really through his work of, of the impact that mentoring can have. And my parents, you know, we, there were, we kind of had a group there in the Lansing area of a uh, um, a lot of black families, you know, that were similar to ours because I went to Lansing Eastern High School, which it's a nice, it was a diverse school, but in terms of like the neighborhood I grew up in, there weren't a lot of people that looked like us. And so my parents kind of went out of their way, you know, across the greater Lansing and East Lansing area to really connect us with other families, with, with college educated parents too. So just that experience of being able to meet strong professional people, just the exposure to that can really change the course of your life because you see what's really out there in this bigger world than just, you know, your small little bubble. And, you know, you've touched on it already, Rhonda, but why is mentoring so important for young black women today? Honestly, I think it's important for everybody. <laughs> but uh, specifically, I just, you know, I think that it's important for 
young black girls to realize that they can accomplish anything and that um, sometimes when you're a minority, you, you don't see as many people doing the things that you aspire or want to do. And you think that it's because you're a minority or for some reason, those opportunities aren't available for you. And so I think just building the strength and the confidence, because sometimes depending on how you're raised, like I was fortunate, I was raised in a very multicultural environment. Like the Lansing, East Lansing area is awesome. Michigan state is awesome. I mean, you get exposed to so many different cultures and that's important. But sometimes like the kids I work with are growing up in inner city Detroit is a predominantly black school in predominantly black neighborhoods. And when you grow up that way, you're not having a lot of exposure to what the real world looks like and having real world interaction with people from different cultures. And I think that that is a, a very important exposure for kids, especially in the inner city to have, because then it teaches you how to be able to thrive in environments where you may be the only person in the room. You know, I've had many situations like that where I was the only black girl there or the only woman for that matter, you know, and, and that can really test your confidence. Um, so just kind of like, you know, building up that girl power. And I, I think that's just true for women in general, um, but growing up as a black girl and some of the tools that I think that I was fortunate enough to have are the kind of things that I want to instill in these kids too. And the exposure is a big part of it. And those mentoring relationships and, and is really uh, an important part of that. And for these kids to be able to see, like I said, beyond, you know, kind of their small bubble in many cases. And Rhonda, how are you and the girls that you mentor feeling and talking about these changing times in our country spurred on by the killing of, of George Floyd? It does seem like things really are moving in the right direction finally. We have some young activists in my organization, I have learned, um, that have been very outspoken about their feelings and about change that they want to see. They participated in some of these peaceful demonstrations and, you know, have been outspoken on microphones and megaphones in front of people to really talk about their perspective and how they feel. And I promote that. I think it's so important to to know that you have a voice and to know that you can do things to make change. All the changes that have happened and the advances that have happened for African-Americans in this country have started from these civil rights movements from young people. And so I think it's an opportunity. It's a time of opportunity. Um, it's also a time, I think it's important to reflect to all of the opportunity that is out there for African-Americans already. There are some injustices but there is so much opportunity for us to change that. Our kids can go into the legal profession. They can become renowned judges. They can run for office and political office and, and really assume those leadership roles. And I do think, as you said, that the movement is so strong right now that a lot of companies are are rethinking hiring and you know rethinking boards and rethinking, you know, what can I do, uh, you know, as an executive or as a business owner to help provide more opportunity for African-American people. And so I'm, I'm very encouraged. I'm especially encouraged, too, by the diversity of those that are demonstrating and speaking out that they're from all walks of life, you know, all ages, all races. And that's what our country is. And I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that this is 
a great country to be in and that there are a lot of positive things that happen here and there's a lot of opportunity to change some of the things that need to be changed. So I don't know. I'm just an optimist and I, I feel really good about where we are. <laughs> Tell us what you'd like us to remember about the Rhonda Walker Foundation and how can we help? The Rhonda Walker Foundation for me is, that's my way of trying to provide opportunity, to try to encourage and empower. And I think right now people are looking for ways to make a difference, to make change. And so I just want to encourage people to do that. For me, it's it's mentoring and providing programming and empowering opportunities for teen girls in Detroit. For someone else, it could be something else that you're passionate about. You might wanna teach the arts or, so I, I think if anything, I wanna be um, an example that, you know, beyond, you know, your career that you can really make a difference in the community and to take advantage of that and find ways to do it. Whether it's joining an organization like mine, if, you know, empowering teen girls is, is your thing and you can see yourself mentoring or hosting a workshop or um, allowing a team to come and job shadow with you or do a summer internship, great. And we have lots of opportunity for that. We um, love to have new mentors, new speakers. Um, mentoring doesn't have to be a commitment for a whole year. You could, you know, host a teen in some of our workshops, you know, for one dinner and, you know, sit down and talk and learn about them and their interests and, and share your life experiences. So there's a lot of opportunities in order to get involved with us. RondaWalkerFoundation.org is the place to go to learn more about us. And I just encourage that, but most of all, just do something to try and make a difference, make the community better. Rhonda Spartans will. I know. I love thank these you. opportunities to talk with my fellow Spartans. So thank you so much for having me. Your passion shows and, and thank you for all you're doing. And it's been great having you on the program. All the best to you. Thank you so much, Russ. That's Rhonda Walker, MSU alumna. And she has the Rhonda Walker Foundation at RondaWalkerFoundation.org. Our next guest is Tim Hurd, a 2019 graduate from the College of Education. As a junior here at MSU, Tim launched a student organization called Rising Black Men, a group dedicated to the mentorship of black male undergraduate students at MSU. The group was so successful in its first year on campus that it was recognized as the Student Organization of the Year and quickly drew attention from beyond East Lansing. Tim has spoken about rising black men at institutions such as Harvard, the University of Pennsylvania, and the University of Southern California. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Russ. Can you tell us a little bit about your early years at MSU and how those experiences influenced your decision to start the organization? Absolutely. Um, so my freshman year, I stayed in a quad. I lived in Acres, so there were four of us. And um, after my freshman year, um, my three roommates, who were also Black men, um, they left. And two were for academic reasons, and, and one was for a social reason in terms of not feeling a sense of belonging. So that was kind of like my catalyst to get into research because I realized that my situation wasn't necessarily an anomaly. And that was reflected across the institution. Um, and I realized that four to six year graduation rates for black men at other four to six year institutions was one of the lowest amongst other demographics. So just being involved, I started to you know do different organizations on campus, um, such as Urban Educators Cohort Program, um, Intercultural Aid, and being able to use those resources and the people who I came across, I decided my junior year that it was time to kind of be the change that I wanted to see in a way. 
So how I went about that was brainstorming with one of my mentors, Dr. Cesare Warren, a faculty member within the College of Education. And he was like, you know, you should think about creating your own group. Um, because that was the last thing from my mind. I just wanted to see how I could join and, and, and help find a solution. And that's the solution I ended up coming up with my organization, Rising Black Men. So describe some of the challenges facing young black males in higher education and how does Rising Black Men meet those challenges? Um, that's a great question. So some of the things that are challenges for young black men. So, so for me, I had the pleasure or the privilege of growing up in a two-parent household, um, similar to Miss Walker. Um, in a college-educated two-parent household. And I lived in Gross Point, where I live in Gross Point. So in terms of that sense of belonging or that culture shock, that wasn't something that I'd experienced because I'm originally from the east side of Detroit, but in the fifth grade, I moved to Gross Point. So from the fifth grade to 12th grade, I was in the Gross Point school system. And I was able to um, navigate um, spaces where I wasn't the majority student. And what I've seen, especially at Michigan State, is a lot of students are coming from DPS. And this is not everybody, but there might be some type of culture shock from going from a predominantly Black neighborhood or a predominantly Black area to a place where there's 50,000 students. And it's not just um, in terms of being a predominantly white institution, but just all types of people. Um, we have a large population of international students. So that can be an adjustment. And it can be an adjustment for every student because there is, again, 50,000 plus people. So just that sense of belonging is something that I've seen. And then also one of the biggest things was just kind of mentorship. And like Ms. Walker said, not just for black men, but across the board. But if, if, if I was to pinpoint one problem or one area in which I see that there needed to be a solution, it would be in that sense of belonging and feeling like you really belong there. And it wasn't just a slogan. In addition to connecting college students with professionals, Rising Black Men has expanded to connect MSU students with boys and young men in the Lansing K-12 school district. Can you talk yes. to us about the power of mentoring for young black boys and men today? So the organization starts at MSU, but it's a pipeline of support from Michigan State to the greater Lansing community. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to do that is just to provide exposure because it, you don't know if you don't see. So even for me, growing up in a two-parent household in Gross Point in a middle to upper class neighborhood, I didn't see a lot of black professionals prior to entering Michigan State. So when I got to Michigan State, that was a shock for me just because I hadn't seen other black people who had their PhDs um, and who were achieving at high levels. So for me, that was exposure to kind of motivate me even more to want to first go into the field of education, but then also to pay it forward. And what I've done and what we've been able to do or been privileged to be able to do within Rising Black Men is go into the K-12 school system within Lansing and start working with young Black men and just kind of having conversations about conversations from like financial literacy to sense of belonging to just developing confidence and, and self-care and, and workshops. Because so often you hear this narrative that Black men, you know, might not succeed at, at the same rate as other demographics and that Black men, the only outlet that they have are through sports. And if they don't do that, then they're not going to make it. But there's plenty of other outlets. But the, the whole thing is providing that exposure and then also providing that mentorship. So just being present um, in those spaces in K-12 is just important because it shows that you're there. And then we offer to, to, to pay it forward and say, I'm here for you and I'm going to help you and I'm going to connect you. Because my whole idea is it takes a village. So nobody can do it alone. And that's what we try to provide within Rising Black Men is just building that village and providing that exposure and, and really helping with that mentorship because 
everybody needs mentorship. And Tim, we've mentioned you've had the opportunity to share your vision around the country. What kind of feedback are you getting and, and how has that experience been? I guess one of the biggest things is our people were excited, decided to take on this initiative and to work on this stuff along with managing classes. And for me, just juggling both really, it, it helped me. It, uh, it provided me some more opportunities just to just work on my own, I guess, accountability and just my own time management. But one of the things that I've often hear is people are like, you know, this is really cool. Have you thought about this? So they might offer another idea. For example, I was looking at my whole idea of mentorship is sustainable mentorship because I look at how students not just are retained at the university, but how they persist and graduate. And upon the completion of their graduation, how they're able to contribute to the betterment of society. But in order to do that, you have to be sustained because you can graduate, but if you haven't been sustained in the areas that I look at are academically, socially, um, and spiritually, then I feel that you might not get the same experiences if you were to have had those experiences. So one of the things, yeah, that, that people offer me are just saying, hey, have you looked at it from this area, such as like the financial, because costs are, are, are a big thing as well. But, but it, I think it all goes back down to that support. And, and one of the ways in which I know I can offer support is through social um, and academic, like having tutors come in um, and also having that exposure of having people who look like us in powerful positions to pay it forward and be like, you can get here too. And this is the way and the ladder in which, you know, you can climb to eventually reach your goal or whatever that may be. So, Tim, summarize for us. What do you want us to know about Rising Black Men and how can we help? Uh, I would like you all to know that Rising Black Men, it, it gets stronger every year. And I think that's um, the way it's supposed to be. And just in terms of one of the big things that I heard was just how are you going to do your like plan once you graduate? So after I graduated, I wanted the organization to continue to rise and continue to grow and to eventually be at every Big Ten University across the country within this conference and then every um, large PWI across the country, just because I feel like this needs to be implemented within universities. And every university is different, so it needs to be tailored in a way that fits that university. But I feel like just having these conversations and just having mentorship is important. And I think one of the ways in which people can support it is just by checking out the, the website. So it's risingblackmen.com and then also reaching out to the young men who are on the website and having conversation and offering mentorship and offering advice because we have um, learning objectives where we ask people to come in and speak about their professions and the work that they're currently doing, which is just another opportunity for exposure. Well, Tim Hurd, thank you for all this great work you're doing and for telling us about it today. No problem. Thank you all for the opportunity to come and speak. All the best. Go green to you. Go white.